It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things NFL Draft, NFL, and college football. Once again, I'm all alone today. We are missing Nick Durst here on Destination Draft Day, but we will carry on and carry through. Hope you guys are having a wonderful Friday, end of the week. So let's get into it with today's topic, which is SEC football. And, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about with the SEC this year, but we're going to dive in with the top prospects of the sec for this upcoming draft the 2022 nfl draft and the sec as every year is going to fill in a lot of it and at qb we're going to be talking about the Ole miss product matt corral really a phenomenal arm one of the more mobile qbs in college football the big question mark right now is 11 of his interceptions came in two games six interceptions against arkansas five interceptions against Sorry about that. Uh, six interceptions against Arkansas. Five interceptions also coming against LSU. Just a rough outing for Matt Corral. Just absolutely needs to improve his decision-making. He, he can't get in that habit of consistently having turnovers all season. So for Matt Corral, a huge thing is just cutting down on those 14 turnovers they had over the course of the season. An absolute talent of an arm can snap the ball out of his fingers with ease, can throw with Great arm angles. If you watch Matt Corral, you're going to see similarities to Zach Wilson. Maybe not the same prospect, but they absolutely both work those arm angles with extreme expertise, honestly. And for Corral, right now, I I view him as a first-rounder. I know that the stats maybe don't tell the same story just because of those 14 interceptions. You want to see him drop down on that, but he's a very accurate passer, and while those interceptions are going to be something that are monitored very closely throughout the course of the season. I I feel like he has pretty good decision-making skills. He really shows a lot of nice passes. And really for me, with the arm talent, mobility, and just overall success that he's added to this Ole Miss program, I truly believe that we could be talking about Matt Corral as a first-rounder. Right now, probably 
my QB two behind Rattler, but him and Howell are two guys that I still view as first rounders in that conversation. At running back, we're talking about the current wide receiver. He will be lining up in the slot for Texas A&M just due to an influx of talent, but I'm going with Anaya Smith. Put him in a backfield and he's going to create plays. I am an absolutely huge fan of Anaya Smith. I understand, you know, Isaiah Spiller, Devin Arcane are phenomenal running backs and you know, you could argue, oh, if he's not even starting for his own team, why should he be the top prospect for you? But we've seen plenty of great prospects not start for their team and then go on to have very strong careers in the NFL. Um, I'm not going to say that they're the same player, but Alvin Kamara had the same situation at Tennessee where he wasn't the starting running back, but he still went on to be a dominant running back in the NFL. Now, like I'm going to say again, Anaya Smith is not Alvin Kamara, but I do think that just because he's not the starting running back doesn't mean that he's not a phenomenal running back. Anaya Smith, for me, is someone that's going to absolutely tear up NFL defenses, whether you want him playing out wide at wide receiver or whether you want him in the backfield giving the ball or catching the ball. He's going to make plays. He makes people miss. He shows very nice contact balance. I think that with some added weight, you know, 10 pounds, he could very well be a dominant running back. I don't think he's going to lose athleticism with a little added weight. My question mark is, when he goes to the NFL, is he going to stick with receiver or is he going to try to work his way back to running back? I understand the argument for both sides. Running back maybe don't get valued as much when it comes to longevity, but also, you know, I think he's more suited to be a running back. At wide receiver, we're going with George Pickens. Sadly, we won't get to see Pickens this year. Going to miss the season with the torn ACL, but still my top prospect out of the SEC at the wide receiver position. This wide receiver class for the SEC is absolutely loaded. You know, you talk about Pickens, you talk about Traylon Burks, you talk about John Mechie. There are players all throughout this class that could absolutely take the number one spot by season's end. Right now, I'm sticking with Pickens. I think he really doesn't get enough credit for how well he's done. Even though JT Daniels is a very fine college quarterback, I do think that Pickens would be a lot more suited if he were put with a better QB that's more NFL ready and I feel like Pickens you know just gets this sort of reputation as a jump ball receiver but I think he offers way more than that and I think in the NFL when he's working in a pro offense with a hopefully you know very strong-armed QB he'll be able to show off more of a skill set and really prove himself as one of the top wide receivers in this class at tight end we're going with Jalen Weidermeyer a absolute beast probably the first tight end off the board when the time does come Really, this one was a toss-up as well, though, because Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama is going to be in for a crazy good season. Watch out for what he does with Alabama. And really, you know, with all the weapons that have kind of left Alabama, we could see Billingsley put together a phenomenal season. Maybe not, you know, a Devonta Smith-type season, but he could put together a crazy season in terms of leading Alabama statistically. It would be the first time in a while that a tight end has done so for Alabama football but keep an eye out on Jaleel Billingsley to really have a strong season and be the leader of that weapons room for the Crimson Tide. On the offensive line, we just continue having these toss-ups. Kenyon Green, though, is going to get the nod. An offensive guard going to be playing left tackle for Texas A&M. I'm unsure if he's going to stick there or not when it comes to the NFL. If he puts together a very strong season, we could absolutely see that happen. However, I think right now it's safest to project him, project him as a guard. He's going to be a star on whatever NFL team decides to select him. What position he plays doesn't really matter to me. He's 
absolutely athletic. You can see it there on the photo. He's got great frame with great size. He has great power. And really, you know, him and Evan Neal were the guys that I really considered here for this top offensive line spot. But Kenyon Green gets the nod. If he does play offensive guard, we could see Neal come off the board first just because tackle generally gets more, you know, appreciation and draft value. But Kenyon Green is going to be a stud. And don't be surprised if, despite being an interior offensive lineman, he still goes in the top off, top half of the first round. Now we switch over to the defensive side of things, and we're going with Jordan Davis for our top defensive lineman of this class. You know, I understand he's a nose tackle, so he may not go in the first round like a lot of mocks have for him, but I still view this guy as a very strong talent. I think he's going to be a beast in the NFL. 6'6", 340, so the size is absolutely there. He can make plays on the defensive line. He's not going to be the pass rusher that you want out of some of your defensive linemen. You know, you're not going to get a DeForest Buckner or an Aaron Donald out of this guy, but you are still going to get a dominant run stuffer that can hold down the middle of the line Tremendous anchor, tremendous strength. And, you know, for me, I love those nose tackles. I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. I grew up on watching Vince Wilfork. Uh, they still incorporate nose tackles into their game all the time. So, for me, I love watching guys like that. And Jordan Davis absolutely fills those type of stereotype nose tackle play, you know, with great size. I think he could be in for a tremendous career. But, again, you know, despite maybe being my top defensive lineman, even by the year's end, I probably don't expect this guy to be a first round pick just because of the value of nose tackles in itself. On the edge, we're talking about DeMarvin Leal, the defensive end for Texas A&M. If you're thinking of a comparison, someone to kind of draw to his skill set, think Cam Jordan of the New Orleans Saints, just an absolute beast. Really, the big question mark, for Leal is can he continue to grow his production two and a half sacks last year in 10 games an improvement on last year but needs to continue to improve in terms of converting into sack numbers 6 4 290 pounds seven tackles for loss he is an absolute stud really someone that you can play inside outside I'm kind of cheating here having him on the edge he's going to be a defensive end I feel like no matter what so whether it's in a 3-4 I think he's six at defensive end or whether he's in a 4-3, he's 6 at defensive end. So I really could have had him labeled as a defensive lineman as that kind of fits the criteria I use in that situation. But he's still a stud. I'm an absolute huge fan. You know, watching Bobby Brown, watching Michael Clemens last year, this is this is the star of their defense. And, you know, if you're an Aggies fan, a guy like Luol is going to really be huge for if you guys can really win the SEC, which is certainly on the table with all the talent that they have. And, you know, we have a comment from the comment section. ABA, anyone but Alabama coming from Nick Durst could be Texas A&M's year. Absolutely could. You know, Alabama has so much talent every year, so it's foolish to not think that they're still a contender. And I'm not saying Nick Durst is saying that. I'm just saying, like, if anyone's thinking that Alabama's not going to compete, you're foolish. You know, Alabama's always going to be competitive. But – this year is wide open in terms of who takes the SEC. Alabama's probably still the favorite, but Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, all have opportunities. You know, other SEC schools have opportunities. If things really get flown well, they need to take advantage of those games, you know, whether they play Alabama or whether they play another great conference opponent. But it's not necessarily a sure thing that Alabama takes it this year. Keep an eye out for all the SEC because this year could be very fun in terms of overall talent and overall skill set. At the linebacker position, 
Christian Harris is my pick for the linebacker spot. You know, absolute beast whenever I look at just ability to move around the field. You can kind of drop him down if you need to, and he can play close to the line. He can cover pretty well, but also I love his range as a linebacker. Just a huge stud for the Alabama Crimson Tide defense. You know, I know it's rare to see good Alabama defensive players, but this is, you know, just a great player. Christian Harris is going to be a dominant piece for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I think when it comes to it, if there's a linebacker that's first off the board this year, it's a limited class. Christian Harris could be the very first one that comes off. At cornerback, we're talking about Derek Stingley Jr., a junior out of LSU. And, you know, he had a little bit of a down 2020. I think that's okay to address and admit. But there's still so much that happens for Stingley from play to play that shows absolute ability to dominate when it comes to just his overall pro evaluation. He's athletic. He's got great size. He shows some great coverage ability. He needs to continue to work on just overall tracking ability, sticking on the hip of his assignment. But Derek Stingley is someone that I think is still going to be a top 10 pick in this class. He's a dominant player. If we're talking about, you know, who played the best last year, there's other guys. And, you know, we have a comment from Blake Robinson. If you had to put another defensive back, would it be Martin Emerson? It's tough because Kair Elam is another guy that I really like from this class. Uh, you know, looking around at the just standings, trying to think of some of the talent that's out there, it'd probably be between Emerson and Elam. Uh, it's a tough draw, honestly. I love Emerson and I love Elam. I think I would go Elam as my next up, but Emerson is very close. The SEC is loaded with cornerback talent in this class with great size. Emerson and Elam both over 6'2". They offer great ability in press man bail. And really, I think with continued opportunity and continued growth of another season with full-on offseason without having you know all the COVID protocols as strongly in place for the SEC and these young prospects, I think we're going to see some great talents kind of explode onto the scene. But with guys like Stingley, guys like Elam, and guys like you know Martin Emerson, I think we're going to see some big years out of this SEC cornerback class, and I'm really excited to really watch it as it unfolds this entire season. At the safety spot, we're talking about Jordan Battle out of Alabama. The junior really has put together a strong season, and really, in my opinion, the strongest secondary in terms of safety play is Alabama, Jordan Battle and Malachi Moore. Jordan Battle, kind of a strong safety-type prospect, but I think he offers enough versatility to where if you need him to play in that cover two-type situation, uh, he can absolutely do so. He's not just someone that drops down and can't do anything in coverage. He has dominant skills, and he's a great tackler, though, plays downhill extremely well. Jordan Battle is someone that is going to be a huge piece of the Alabama defense with guys like Sertan leaving to the NFL it is time for other secondary pieces of Alabama to step up. You know, Josh Job is there, but Jordan Battle should be a leader for this defense, and it will be certainly interesting to watch. Now we talk about the sleeper prospects of the SEC, and, you know, this graphic is, is limited in the overall teams that it shows. It only shows, I believe, six teams, maybe, Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss, five teams, but – there's plenty of other teams in the SEC, as you guys know, nine others. And some of these teams don't get enough credit when it comes to their overall talent as well. So we're going to start off with Missouri at the quarterback position. And Connor Bazelak 
is someone that is going to get interest as the season goes along. A very accurate passer, probably more of a pocket passer that doesn't fit the traditional, you know, mobile QB that just runs around the field as today's era has kind of started. But Basilak is still going to get a lot of love. He shows off very impressive tools. A young QB, he was a redshirt freshman last year, wasn't expected to be the starter, stepped in and really started to improve as the season went along, put together some very great performances. Now the full-time starter for Missouri going to get the full offseason with the full treatment of expecting to lead this team. Keep an eye out for Basilak because I really like his game. I think he offers some very dependable play. And for the Missouri Tigers, you know, they have some talent out there. They've added the Tulsa transfers into their secondary. They have pieces around that are going to be, you know, phenomenal. I really like Jalen Knox. I really like Tyler Beatty. I think there's potential here for Missouri to put together a strong season that really kind of surprises people in the overall scheme of things for the SEC. At running back, we're talking about Kevin Harris, the junior out of South Carolina. Maybe a little bit cheating here in terms of sleeper. I think he's gotten a little bit of attention, so maybe not as a unheard of name for the running back spot, but still someone that I think is a bit underrated. 5'10", 225 pounds, offers great power, but also great burst. You know, you want guys that can get to the second level very quickly, and he does a phenomenal job of getting his weight forward and finding ways to get downfield very well. He's a north and south runner, in my opinion, but he can stretch out wide when needed. Outside zone, he can handle, and he is going to make plays. He offers great speed. He's not just someone that's big and bulky and can't really show any bursts. He offers plenty of burst. The big question mark is what's he going to do in the passing game? This past season, he had some okay numbers out of the passing game for South Carolina. You know, obviously 15 or 21 receptions is pretty solid, but I think improving on that, getting into a little bit higher of a total would be huge for his game, but shown plenty of ability to catch the ball. And I think with continued growth and ability, you know, we're talking about Kevin Harris is one of the top running backs in this class. I think he fits that kind of old school style of runner that some of these teams still very much seek out. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be a day three pick, but I think he's someone that could be one of the first 10 running backs off the board. At wide receiver, Josh Ali is someone that I have been very impressed with in my watch so far. Kentucky maybe didn't have the most outstanding offense in terms of just overall ability of passing. But Josh Ali, when he got the pass to him, was making plays. He's a smooth worker, absolutely phenomenal in terms of just doing what is asked of him. And I think, you know, he's a slot guy, 5'11", 190 pounds, but he's still going to put up some great numbers. Just this past season, he had 54 catches, 473 yards, and a touchdown. I think that he's going to continue to grow on that, assuming that, you know, whoever starts for Kentucky, whether it's Will Levis, I don't know if it's Levis or Levi's or Joey Gatewood, is going to be the starter. One of those two guys, and I think – Josh Ali is going to be a huge piece for that. Kentucky has some nice pieces. You know, Rodriguez at running back, Josh Ali at wide receiver, and then our next sleeper prospect, redshirt junior Keaton Upshaw, I think is someone that really you should be keeping an eye out. If you haven't heard of his name, give him a watch. He is definitely someone that I think offers plenty of talent. Just 16 catches last season. So it's not like this guy is just, you know, exploding on the scene and you're just missing it. He's a little bit under the radar, but he offered some – or he showed some great ability last year, 6'6", 245 pounds, with extremely long arms. He's a great receiving threat. I think he's the best weapon on Kentucky 
But, you know, there's still so much that needs to happen. He needs to really fulfill his spot as the starting tight end for Kentucky. He needs to continue to grow as a blocker. But he shows the strength and natural ability. Just developing him and refining his skill set is the big part of it. I think if he puts together the pieces, Keaton Upshaw has the upside to be a first-round talent. Now, will that happen? Who knows? It really just comes down to what happens with his growth. And you can say that for a lot of players that, oh, if they put it together, they're a first-round guy. But Upshaw isn't so far off. So keep an eye on him as the season comes along. Watch out for what he can do from play to play for Kentucky. And watch out for the Wildcats to put together some great numbers on offense. On the offensive line, Jamari Sellier, the offensive guard now for Georgia, played left tackle for most of the season last year, flipped to offensive guard, and I think he's going to be staying at that spot. But really, even his tackle film, I was impressed with. I think he is someone that really could do whatever asked of him. So if you're looking at this guy, maybe similar to an Isaiah Wynn, where, yeah, he's probably a guard, but you know, in the right landing spot, like when going to the Patriots, he could play tackle stands about six, four, 325 pounds, a senior. So he was kind of on the fence about going back and he ended up going back. You know, Sailor is someone that I think is consistent, strong, needs to work on his mobility. He's not maybe, he's maybe not the most athletic offensive lineman out there when it comes to just overall dominance and just fluidity. But Sellier is someone that I think is going to be a consistent model of blocking for whatever team brings him in, for whatever position he plays. Keep an eye out for him. Georgia offensive linemen have a nice history in the NFL. You know, obviously there's some pieces that don't help that history. You know, Isaiah Wilson only lasted a year. But I don't think that was necessarily a talent issue. It's just something that was more of a just off-field issue. So keep an eye out for Jamari Sailor a dominant piece for the Georgia Bulldogs and going to be huge for any success that they could have. On the defensive line, I am once again going to be hyping up Michael Clemens, a fun defensive end type player that really I I can't get over. He's a six-year senior, showed some great ability. He went to work on Alex Leatherwood last year, first-round prospect, I may say. And, you know, he's a six-year senior but still someone that I think is underrated in the grand scheme of things. I think with a good season, he's still going to get drafted four sacks last year, four and a half tackles for loss. He's probably not going to get out of that day three range, but there's so much ability here just in terms of him and DeMarvin Leal on that defensive line that I think they could absolutely be in for a huge year, both of them. And then, you know, you got pieces on the defensive line as well with, PV and I believe there's another guy I'm I'm blanking on the name but Texas A&M has presence on the defensive line and I feel like Clemens is easy to overlook but don't do it because he is going to be in for a very strong season again four sacks last year but those four sacks came on just five games played he offers tremendous size and power 6'5 270 pounds Texas A&M is going to be deadly on defense and it's going to be because of that front seven there with that defensive line. And keep an eye out for Michael Clemens to be a huge piece of that. On the edge, we're talking about Derek Hall, the junior out of Auburn. You know, someone that really kind of caught my eye on tape. And really just early on in the film, I was like, okay, this guy is legit. Eight games played, four sacks on the season, four tackles for loss. 
one forced fumble, 6'3", 240 pounds. He needs to add a little bit of weight. But I think he offers tremendous bend, tremendous athleticism. He can drop into coverage when you need him to. This is someone that I think popped off on tape for me that really was so strong that I'm just confident that he could be someone that we're talking about first, second round. And, you know, I know it's a lot of projection, but at the same time, I saw it on tape that I'm comfortable in really having him in that range right now. If I'm wrong, obviously I'll readjust, but I expect big things out of Derek Hall this season. I expect the Auburn defense to be really taking a huge step forward with some of their young talent really coming up and hopefully making that next step as well as some of their older pieces really just continuing their great play. But Derek Hall might be one of the highest drafted Auburn defensive players this year. And, you know, I think obviously with all the edge talent in this class, it's it's easy to kind of just dismiss it and say, oh, probably not. But Derek Hall, I don't know. He, he flashed on tape so many times. I'm, I'm confident that he's going to be someone that we're seeing at least day two. At the linebacker position, Devin Nicholson, the linebacker from Missouri. We talked about Nick Bolton all last year. But if you were really, you know, keeping your eyes open, you know, not just focusing in on Bolton, you probably noticed number 11 from Missouri, 6'3", 230 pounds, 69 tackles, three tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, and an interception. Devin Nicholson has great length. He can fly all around the field. He was definitely the more athletic of the two Missouri linebackers last year. I think that in terms of pro prospect, Nicholson offers more upside than Bolton. Now, Bolton was the safer prospect, a great run stopper that really didn't have to do too much. You know, going to Kansas City, I think he's going to be really relied on for his run stuffing ability. But Nicholson can drop into coverage when needed. He offers great range, great length, more of the lottery ticket type linebacker if you want to say that because the upside is absolutely there missouri is going to really rely on these younger pieces for this defense you know kobe whiteside devin nicholson uh there's another guy that i was keeping on keeping an eye on uh isaiah mcguire trajan jeffco these are pieces that are going to be huge for missouri in that front seven and you know obviously they add guys like a caleb evans and adding guys like uh, – <laughs> I'm forgetting the other Tulsa's, Tulsa guy. I'm sorry. But there's just dominant pieces all throughout this Missouri defense. And with the offense that they have, you know, that's why I was saying earlier, I do think Missouri is going to be in for a big season. I think that there is going to be some very nice pieces that step up in a big way. And if they can really get all these pieces going – with you know the coaching staff that I, I like there at Missouri, the Missouri could be a little bit a little bit sneaky this year, and I think they're going to pull off a big upset. I'm not sure what game specifically. You know, there's definitely uh, plenty of opportunity, but don't be surprised if Missouri maybe upsets like a Florida or you know goes into Texas A&M and upsets them there. And I, I'm not even that hesitant to say that it'll happen. Uh, we have some comments I'm going to go to real quick. Loving the stream. Keep up the good work from JRG114. Thank you so much. You know, Nick Durst abandoned me, so all here alone, but hopefully not too bad for you guys. And then another comment from Blake Robinson. Kentucky has done a good job developing offensive linemen, so improvement with Upshaw is a good bet. You know, I absolutely agree. I think Upshaw is someone that I'm extremely excited about, and they have a lot of guys in that tight end room. You know, Rig is a fine college football tight end, but I think the – the upside pick is Keaton Upshaw there in Kentucky. 
At cornerback, we're talking about Nehemiah Pritchett, the junior out of Auburn, a lengthy but dependable corner for the Auburn Tigers last year. A lot of talk goes to Roger McCreary, who I think absolutely deserves it. I'm not dissing McCreary at all. But Pritchett put together a very strong sophomore year and should be continuing his growth. Ten pass deflections last year with one interception, 6'1", 180 pounds. Need to add a little bit to his frame, a little bit to his physicality. And you can see that on tape. You know, when he goes into press mode, he has issues, especially just with his overall ability to attack with his hands. He misses a lot. But Nehemiah Pritchett is a smooth mover with great size. Don't be surprised if he starts to get some traction along with McCreary to where he's getting in that range. And if he declares, we could be seeing this guy in that day two range as well. The SEC class, like I said earlier, this corner class is very entertaining. And Nehemiah Pritchett could very well work himself up into that range to be in the conversation with anyone. Another convert or another comment from the comment section from Blake Robinson. Go watch Missouri's last football game versus Mississippi State if you need to lose faith in Missouri. Yeah, I I did watch that one and it was a little uh a little tough. Not the greatest, but I do think that the talent's still there. There's plenty of ability on the Missouri team. You know, with guys like Roundtree leaving, it's tough, but I don't know. I, I still think that there's plenty of potential. And, you know, adding the secondary pieces that they did was absolutely huge because obviously, you know, Josh Bloodsoe, who I feel like is almost purely a safety, was getting put down a corner just because of the lack of guys that they had for that cornerback room. So getting Allie Green, getting a Caleb Evans, absolutely huge for Missouri. And I think they should reap the benefits of that. At safety, we're talking about A.J. Finley out of Ole Miss, the junior, who I think really put together a strong season you know, can be free safety, but also drops down the slot plenty for the Rebels. You know, there's great size for him, 600 or six foot two, 202 pounds. And really, if you're looking out for young pieces that could rise, he's going to be a true junior, three interceptions, seven pass deflections, 62 tackles. And, you know, he, he shows great fluidity, great range. I think if you need him in single high, he can absolutely do that. But like I said earlier, you know, he was dropping down into the box, playing in the slot. He's an all-around chess piece for the Ole Miss defense. And having a piece like that is phenomenal. And I think it's easy to overlook safety talent, especially early. So A.J. Finley probably would get more attention if more people, you know, were keeping eyes on safeties as the season was, you know, going on. But safety, because of the broadcast angle on games, is the easiest position to kind of be late on. And A.J. Finley is someone that I think people will kind of be like, okay, now that we've turned on the tape, A.J. Finley's a stud. So keep an eye out for A.J. Finley out of Ole Miss. Maybe won't declare this year junior, so obviously he could stick around for another season. But I think he's got the talent to be someone that rises up boards if he gets the appropriate attention. So now we're talking about our predictions for the season ahead of SEC football and for the East I'm going with Georgia Bulldogs to take the East on the West. I'm sticking with Alabama. Player of the year, I'm going with Tank Bigsby, running back out of Auburn. I think he's going to be in for a huge season, going to dominate, going to be depended on heavily. You know, Bigsby was a true freshman last year and just blew the, the league away, the whole conference, the whole NCAA. Now with another year, with another, you know, set in stone superstar name, 
I think he's going to be dependent on heavily and he's going to be in for a tremendous year. And, you know, I think Auburn's going to reap the benefits of that, but also just Bigsby's going to establish himself as one of the top talents for that 2023 draft. And we'll be sure to talk about it when it comes. Defensive player of the year, DeMarvin Leal. I think he's going to put together a tremendous season in terms of production and just overall ability. I wouldn't be surprised to see Stingley get this. I wouldn't be surprised to see Christian Harris get this. But I'm going with Leal right now. I think there's plenty of guys that are in contention. But if he puts together a strong season in terms of sack numbers, he's already a great run stuffer. He's already a notable name. So expect him to kind of get the lean favor of notoriety and just if the talent continues to play through. You know, even with Stingley, we could be talking about Eli Ricks as well in that secondary. So there's plenty of pieces all surrounding the entire SEC. But keep an eye out for Leal. He's my pick to win it. And now, between Georgia and Alabama, I'm going with Georgia to win the SEC. Up until last night, I was almost certain that I was taking Alabama. And then I started thinking about it. And the big thing for Alabama is an established run game. Even last year, while Devonta Smith won the Heisman, Mac Jones put together a tremendous season, Najee Harris was the key for Alabama to be able to just continue to dominate. I love Bryce Young. I think he's going to be a phenomenal QB, and he's definitely going to win a championship while he's there at Alabama. But with the pieces in place right now, I'm not sure that Alabama is as strong this year. You know, so many pieces left last year on the offense. The running game is really the big question mark. If they have someone step up, which they probably will, you know, then Alabama could very well be in that conversation. But right now, you know, Brian Robinson being viewed as the starting running back, I think this is a typical Alabama year where they kind of just reload. And then after this season, we really start to see them in full force. So I'm going with the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, Zamir White, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, absolute dominant pieces all throughout this offense. The offensive line is filled with experienced players. The defense has plenty of talent as well. You know, the secondary is obviously the big question mark, but I think they will be able to figure things out. I'm going with Georgia. You know, Texas A&M is very much in play. It depends on how Haynes King is going to be at the QB position. But right now I'm sticking with the Bulldogs, one of the best backfields in college football and should be in for a huge season. For bowl-eligible teams, Georgia obviously would be going to the playoff. Alabama could very well be in that playoff picture still. Depends on what happens with Ohio State, Oklahoma, teams like that. But I think Alabama might just miss out on playoffs and have to be facing a team, you know, in the bowl picture in, you know, Sugar Bowl or Pack or Rose Bowl, whatever happens. But, well, I guess they wouldn't be in Rose Bowl, but Orange Bowl, maybe, who knows? The next team, Texas A&M. I think this is another team that we could be talking about as bowl eligible for a big game. Dominant team filled with tremendous talent. Again, kind of left out because I'm not sure what happens with the QB situation, but Texas A&M is definitely still filled with tremendous talent and tremendous ability all throughout that roster. And if the QB play is going, then they could be the best team in the country, not just winning the SEC, but potentially winning it all. For the fourth team in the SEC, I'm going with the Florida Gators. Emory Jones is someone that I've been looking forward to seeing play for a while now, whether it's him or Richardson that, you know, is the full-time QB for the Florida Gators. I'm excited to see what they do now. You know, plenty of talent. Damian Pierce is going to be a solid running back for them. Um, you know, Kyer Elam, we talked about. Brian Cox is someone that I think is going to get a lot of love when the time comes. Ventrell Miller back at the linebacker spot. 
Florida has talent all throughout the roster, and I think they're in for a big year. Definitely a team that should be bowl eligible unless chaos ensues, but a team that I think will really start to take those next steps and really have a great season. For that sixth team, or fifth team, sorry, we're going with the Auburn Tigers. Again, relying on Tank Bigsby is the recipe for success for the Tigers. You know, Bo Nix has potential, but I think there's so much that still needs to be improved with him. Obviously, though, you know, pieces like Derek Hall on the defense, pieces like Roger McCreary, Nehemiah Pritchett, and some other pieces, Owen Papo, Nicole, or not, but um, there's pieces, sorry, for that Auburn defense that really should establish himself to dominate defensively. Tyrone Truesdell is another guy that I think will get love as a nose tackle prospect this year, but if they can, you know, continue with just what Tanks Bigsby is able to do, then Auburn is going to be in for a very strong season. And Bo Nix, if he, you know, takes that next step with him, then who knows? You know, Auburn's ceiling is unlimited. LSU is my next team up as the sixth SEC team in here. I think they bounced back this year. Last year really fell apart, but, you know, fixed coaching staff a little bit, got some guys back healthy and ready to play. I think there was a little bit of championship hangover and then just the weirdness of last season. Everything mixed together just really had it all fall apart. This year, I think things are going to go a lot smoother. That first game against LSU is going to be extremely fun. That is going to be a game I have to watch because two of these two of these teams, you know, the, both of them are fairly underrated in the grand scheme of things. I think UCLA, we talked about it last episode, is going to win the Pac-12. And LSU, I think, is going to be a very strong SEC team. So this game should be very fun. Hopefully, you know, it's a good game. Hopefully no one gets exposed as a bad team. But that, the SEC overall is going to enjoy having an LSU Tigers team this year that's back and healthy. Because when LSU is good, is good. college football is good. It's better. So definitely looking forward to what the Tigers offer this year. The Ole Miss Rebels are going to be my next team up, the seventh team selected out of the SEC for me. Matt Corral, Jerry and Ely, you know, I really like Braylon Sanders. I think there's pieces on Ole Miss that maybe have question marks, you know, who's going to fill in for Elijah Moore. But at the same time, there's just so much talent on this roster. I love what Lane Kiffin's done with the team. I think Matt Corral is going to be in for a big season. I'd love to kind of be higher on Ole Miss just because of the talent that Corral offers. But I think that they're still going to be in the mid-tier of the SEC. I could see them working themselves up, though. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of get past Auburn, past LSU, maybe past Florida. But still, at the same time, I'm a little bit lower, and I think they're going to be a little bit, you know, lower mid-tier of the SEC at this moment. Hopefully I'm wrong, though. You know, very exciting team with a lot of great talent on the roster. For the eighth team I'm selecting, I'm going with Missouri. Talked about it earlier. I think they are in for a very nice season. Probably going to be one of the teams that pull off one of those nice upsets that really kind of shake up the SEC and the overall picture. Connor Bazelak is a dependable player, but also, you know, pieces like Jalen Knox, Devin Nicholson. There's guys on this roster that are going to be in for a big season, and Missouri is really starting to establish themselves as a strong SEC school, and I look forward to seeing what they do in this upcoming season. And then for the last team, Kentucky Wildcats as the last team in there. You know, I like Arkansas, but I couldn't convince myself to put them in. 
Uh, Tennessee is another team that I, I really wanted to put in because I love Hendon Hooker, but the overall just confusion that's going on with Tennessee has caused me to kind of hold off. I, I don't hate putting 10 or 11 teams from the SEC into the bowl picture, but this year I went a little conservative and went with nine teams for Kentucky themselves, though. I think that there is so much offensive talent on this team in terms of skill set that whoever steps into quarterback has a lot of pressure on them in my eyes, just because I think there's so much ability there and so much potential. So Will Levi's is most likely going to be starting this year. He is going to have a lot of pressure on him to really perform because there's talent. There's no excuse for why Kentucky shouldn't do well offensively on the defensive side of things. You know, they have pieces that are going to, really do well. I think they have some linebackers that I like, you know, Jamar Watson, I believe is returning and he should be in for a good season. They have some guys on the defensive line, but that offense should be good enough to where the sec is seeing Kentucky make it into the bowl picture. And now we'll talk about some of the other teams, you know, Vanderbilt is an interesting case because, you know, new coach knew everything. I, I think it's safe to say they aren't going to continue uh, growing. South Carolina with Kevin Harris, I think, could get into that picture, but the defense still has a lot of missing pieces that could absolutely hinder their overall ability in games. Tennessee is a team I talked about a little bit. I love Hendon Hooker. I love just all the pieces that Tennessee is going to be taking out this year, but ah, it's tough. You know, losses like Eric Gray, losses like Henry T.O.O. or T.O. T.O. Um, you know, there's just a lot of pieces that are gone for, for Tennessee and it's tough. So it was, it was hard to justify putting them in my bowl predictions, looking around at some of the other teams that I snubbed, you know, Arkansas is a team that I think is trending in the right direction, but I looked at their schedule and it's tough to get them in. I think they beat rice. I think they lose Texas. That's one and one. I think they beat Georgia Southern. That's two and one lose to AM, lose to Georgia, lose to Ole Miss, lose to Auburn. That's them sitting at two and five. And then they play Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's three and five, in my opinion. Uh, I think they can beat Mississippi State. That's four and five. But then they have to win two of LSU, Alabama, Missouri. So I'm thinking they're going to go four and eight, five and seven. And while that may be disappointing for Arkansas fans who are kind of looking for them to kind of take that next step, uh, I think it's it's a year away. And then, you know, Mississippi State, I don't know. It's tough to really trust in them. I don't think Mike Leach is really well set up for the SEC. Looking at their schedule, though, I think they lose to North Carolina State. I think they lose to Memphis. But they win against Louisiana Tech in the season opener. So one and two in the first three games. Lose to LSU, lose to AM. That's one and four. Lose to Alabama, one and five maybe beat Vanderbilt, even if we're kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? We say they beat Kentucky and Arkansas, maybe uh, beat Tennessee State. I think that's not necessarily benefit of the doubt. It's just most likely going to happen. That's still only five wins. So I don't see it for Mississippi State this year. And that's that's really my takeaways on the SEC. For other offensive players of the year, I think Jaleel Billingsley is someone that could absolutely be in that picture. Jerry and Ely, Matt Corral. Bryce Young could all definitely uh, compete for that, but I'm going with Bigsby. I'm going with Georgia to win the SEC, and I'm going with the teams listed below 
or listed before if you're listening to the podcast version for who will make it into the bowl picture. I'm Michael Rockman, and you know these shows for the college football previews, like I said, have run a little bit shorter, but that's all we got for you today on the SEC. Thank you to everyone in the comment section. We absolutely loved your comments and getting to really go through all of them and discuss. Thank you to LandryFootball.com for the platform to talk about all things college football, NFL draft, and NFL on. And thank you to everyone who tuned into today's episode. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Well, actually, taking Monday off, 4th of July, post-4th of July. You know, Nick's going to be a little hungover. I'll, I'll be perfectly fine, ready to go, of course. But, you know, just doing the favor for Nick, of course. Uh, just joking around, but post 4th of July episode will not be here. So July 9th, we'll be joined by Ryan Roberts to discuss the G5 and independence, talk about Notre Dame, talk about some of the great QBs that are coming out of some of these smaller schools. We'll see you then though. Enjoy your week. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.